So, Brad. So, Brittany. If you were a magician, what kind of magic would you want? Hmm, that's a good question. Definitely not the magic in this book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna throw paper balls at you. I seriously, I think I would want to be glass or weather. No, weather, weather. 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 I know that's like not covered, but weather. Yeah, I would make up my own and it would be like food. Food. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just being a food magician. (laughs) (laughs) That's me chonking. Welcome to Audio Shelf, a place where we take you on a fantastic journey through our audiobook adventures. I'm Brad. And I'm Brittany. And we are the voices in your head. So this book today we're going to go over is called The Paper Magician. The author is Charlie N. Holmberg, narrated by Amy McFadden, published by Brilliance Audio. Brilliance. Brilliance. Audiobook release date was September 1st, 2014, and the duration was 7 hours and 25 minutes. The genre is fantasy, fiction, and magic. That was good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Mm, built the suspense. <laughs> so, for the summary of this book that was taken from Amazon, we have Sienny Twill. What a weird Sienny. name. Right? <laughs> It took me a few times to figure out what it was. Exactly. When she was say- pronouncing it, I was like, what did she just say? Did she? What did she just call me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Sienny Twill arrives at the cottage of magician Emery Thane with a broken heart. Having graduated at the top of her class from the Tagus Praff School for the Magically Inclined, Sienny is assigned an apprenticeship in the paper magic despite her dream of bespelling metal. Mm. And once she's bounded to paper, that will be her only magic. Forever. Yet the spells Sienny learns under the strange yet kind thing turn out to be more marvelous than she could have ever imagined. Animating paper creatures, bringing stories to life via ghostly images, even reading fortunes. But as she discovers these wonders, Sienny also learns the extraordinary dangers of forbidden magic. With paper. Right? A paper cut? (laughs) An excisioner, a practitioner of dark flesh magic, invades the cottage and rips Thane's heart from his chest. Oh, that just ruins a big part of the book. Right? Why is it a summary? This is like, why? Yeah, seriously, why is the summary a spoiler alert? <laughs> to save her teacher's life, Sienny must face the evil magician and embark on an unbelievable adventure that will take her into the chambers of Thane's still beating heart ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. and reveal the very soul of the man. Hmm. Well, let's Whimsy. talk. <laughs> let's talk about originality here because it sounds like from this summary that this would be an original book. Oh yeah. Part of the reason why I really wanted to listen to this book is because of the summary. Yes, I lo- and I also love when magic schools come into play because yes. it just excites me. It rem- reminds me of Harry Potter, and I just really like that idea of going to, s- to learn magic. And I was really excited about this book when I read the summary. Yeah, I honestly wish that we could have seen Sienny in school, yes. which I know would have been a little bit more Harry Potter-esque and probably not what Charlie was going for. But I just really wanted to learn about all the other magic there's two other books, so maybe we will learn all of the other magic. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to see Sienny in school. Yes. So let's talk about the performance with Amy mm-hmm. McFadden. Who I thought what, it was phenomenal. Yes. I really enjoyed her. Yeah. I really enjoyed her. One of the interesting things that I found 
I noticed right off the bat because it was totally noticeable that CNE and the book is based in Victorian London. Mm-hmm. Amy does a British accent, I think flawlessly, although mm-hmm. I have an American English accent, so I don't know what is correct. But I thought Amy was really did it really well. Mm-hmm. But then the other parts of the book, the other content of the book, Amy read in her Native American. Native American. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> In her American English accent, or in her normal accent, which is American English. <laughs> Why was that so difficult? I liked her accent that she used. However, some parts sounded like it was difficult for her to switch back to Sienese voice and the teacher's voice. And I think doing that British accent kind of threw her off a little bit. I know in the four minute mark, there was this really weird transition between two different voices. And I didn't know kind of like where she was going with that. The tiles composing the path up to the front door, which hung only by its top hinge, were cracked into pieces and overturned. And Sienny didn't trust a single one of the porch's gray, weathered boards to hold her weight long enough for her to ring the bell. I've been shot to hell, Sienny murmured. Magician Avioski, her escort, frowned beside her. Never trust what your eyes see at a magician's home, Miss Twill. You know that. So in chapter 11, and around the eight-minute mark, there was this weird accent. It was like a little boy, no older than three accent that I have a note here for. No older than three. <laughs> I said little boy, no older than three. But <laughs> You're it, so specific. I love it. But that, to me, that was another weird moment that she has with her voice. Between them stood a little boy, no older than three, holding a tiny bowler hat to his stomach. But other than those moments, I really feel like she kind of took on the role of c Yeah. And to be honest, she kind of annoyed me a little bit because I think we have our own thoughts about c I don't think c is a great character. No, c was a brat. Mm-hmm. And I think Amy McFadden's voice kind of matched that. Yeah. And it made me annoyed with her. And I said, God, you're so bratty, McFadden. But I know it's not really McFadden. It was c Yeah, it was. She really embodied c for us. Her voice helped us create the picture of c that we did not like. Yes. But yeah, I agree. Her tone was very clear and she had a very purposeful voice. And she meant business with c which is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And her breathing was also very even and clear. There was never any time that I picked up on when she was taking deep breaths, especially in climatic moments. Climatic? <laughs> what? Especially in climatic. climatic. <laughs> especially, especially at climaxes. She wasn't like antsy or like overly breathy. So overall, her performance was pretty solid. What did you think about the pacing of the story? <sighs> I (laughs) Okay, so everything happens fairly early. As you can tell from the synopsis of the Mm -hmm. book, it gives a lot of detail. It gives that Emery's heart is ripped out. Which is a huge spoiler alert. Which you would think is a huge spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But it happens very early on. I mean, Sienny's only with Thane for a month, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Excisioner... Lyra. Excisioner Lyra comes and, like, snatches his his main heart organ. Who pooped in your Cheerios, Lyra? Right? 
Like, you just come and stab in people's hearts? I know, right? She got a vendetta. Exactly. She was out for literal blood. Mm-hmm. Literal. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So, so you think from the synopsis that the heart snatching is the, the biggest thing, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. There's a much deeper story. And so everything happens very quickly. And then C&E goes on this journey into Thane's heart. That's really where the story picks up. And I thought that that at times was a little bit slow, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of detail in it. That's and it true. And really built the world up. I mean, I got such a clear picture of Thane's heart. Oh, the heart. Every little little aspect of that little red thing every little chamber every little chamber aorta yeah (laughs) (laughs) this mushy walls and kind of to speak on that i also think her interest of the story mcfadden's personal interest in the story may have gone into play there too because she probably was kind of bored throughout a little bit in the beginning of the book when she's describing cne and her desire to be something else that she's being forced to be which is a paper magician overall i think towards the end that's when her interest really peaks and she is involved with the story yeah so what did you think about the emotions that Mm -hmm. amy was able to put into Thane and all the Mm -hmm. other magicians. See, I was confused a lot of the book because I didn't know what to think. You know, Thane was this instructor, this mentor who was wise. And then all of a sudden he was with Lyra. And I was like, should I be feeling sad for Thane? Because that was, that's his. So I really think that McFadden helped me kind of paint a picture of what to think when Emery did meet Lyra and we saw them interact with each other. And then at the end, I th- I think the author's point was to make us feel something, but I don't know. Throughout the au- listening to the audiobook, I felt something personal. Yeah. Between Thane and Sienny. Yeah, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel there was a lot missing. Mm-hmm. That we needed in order to believe that c e should be having the feelings that she's feeling. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it. But I, I agree that the emotions yeah. were like really on point. I feel that McFadden had more interest in Lyra and Thane's history yes. more than she did with Thane and Sienny. Yeah. Kind of like what I did. I, that's how I felt. I, I want to know more about what happened between Lyra and, and Thane. Yeah, like why'd she just show up and rip his heart out? I mean, that's incredibly interesting. And I also wanted to know how Lyra got to this point a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like we we learn more about Lyra throughout the book, but I feel like there wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get to the nitty gritty of Lyra. Mm-hmm. What did you think about the metaphor? I feel like this book was one giant metaphor. <laughs> one giant pumping metaphor and of a heart. What do you think about that? I think that kind of goes along with the emotion. My thoughts on it, I feel like it was kind of forced a little bit if you yeah. think about it. A heart is being ripped. Who's going to take over the heart and who's going to travel through the heart and all this other kind of stuff. All these emotions that kind of just scream love and relationships I felt it was a little forced. Yeah. While I loved the story, it was a little too cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too, but too I'm, much. But then I'm also a cheesy person sometimes. So I'm like, really? I would have created something like this. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm super cheesy. But I, mean, I didn't expect it to see this big of a emotional driven metaphor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like the story is really well done. It's a really creative and original idea. I love the idea. Mm-hmm. But I feel like some of the aspects of it were cheesy and just kind of forced, like Mm -hmm. you said. The traveling through the different chambers and some of the things that are seen and witnessed and everything and some of the feelings that are involved were a little cliched. Mm -hmm. I feel like it could have been done differently. Yeah. 
I don't know how because I'm not like a writer, but I feel like... Mm-hmm. It, I feel like if there, there was missing an epic aspect to it. It was just... There was something that was missing, mm-hmm. and I just wanted more. Yeah, because everything wraps up fairly quickly. Fairly quickly. I mean, we have all this time building up, building up, building up, and then it's just over in mm-hmm. a matter of seconds of seeing e doing something that wasn't learned, was just kind of an experiment. Mm-hmm. And... She was winging it. Yeah. Winging it. She literally was just throwing paper into the air. I feel like it was one big origami experiment. Yes. Let's watch a YouTube video to find out how to fold this piece of paper. Yes. And then let's do some magic with it. I really love when Thane made Fennel. I love Fennel. Oh my gosh. I died. And I love the fact that Fennel was like traveling with with Sienna. And that was like her Toto to Dorothy, you know? Yes. I really like that. It it had a lot of Ozian undertones to it. Yeah. I wonder if Charlie Holmberg is a fan of Oz and the Wizard of Oz. I mean, who isn't? True, true. There are so many different variations of it that everybody is. So moving on with the audiobook talk, did you notice any weird pauses or transitions? How were they for you? There were some lengthy pauses in the dialogue at times, Mm -hmm. especially at the beginning when I feel like Amy might have just been getting into the the characters a little bit more and really feeling out their personalities. But I mean, about a quarter of the way through through chapter one, everything shortens and Mm -hmm. falls into a nice flow. Exactly. Because I actually have a note here saying, again, at the four minute and three second mark, there's this unnecessary pause. Yeah. And I was, I was like, what? I had to actually listen back to it. And I was like, that was so uncalled for, this long pause. But I think after chapter one hit, everything was normal and the flow was nice, nicely done and everything. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I do want to say that I had to start this book over like three times. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it was. And I, I think it's just me with New World when an author tries to start off explaining the world and just jumps right into it without giving any explanation. Yeah. Holmberg was saying, this is what a magician is, or this is what a paper magician is, and this is what a glass magician, and all this other stuff. But I felt like they were just, she was just throwing out terms that I should know. Of course, when I'm driving, which is when I started this, I was getting lost because I was looking at the street signs, looking, doing my normal, you know, kind of drive thing. And I was like, wait, what did I just miss? And so I had to start it over. And I started it over about three times. And for me, that is unacceptable in a book. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> I didn't have to start it over again, but then again, I was, like, focusing on it. Mm-hmm. I can't listen and drive when I'm driving. I don't know how you do it, honestly. Sometimes I find it so serene. Mm-hmm. But this time I was... But, but I agree. Like, with the world building, there's a lot to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of, I guess, not that great of a book to drive and try to listen to, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. I really liked that Amy did sound effects for the heart that like the oh, heart sound effects were yes, in there occasionally. Yes, yes. I thought that was really, really cool and really mm-hmm. different. So, I mean, I know that Charlie wrote the bumps in there, but Amy being able to take her voice from CNE, which was kind of high pitched to doing a lower pitched bum sound mm-hmm. for Thane's heart was really cool. Mm-hmm. Also, I just want to make paper animals that come to life. Yeah, that, I think that would that would be the best use of our time. Use of this magic. <laughs> and also, there's another thing in here that I that CNE did was how she was bringing stories to life via the ghostly images. That would that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I like that because if you think about paper, you're like, what can you do with paper? But that is one thing Holmberg did was really create this fantastic view of what a paper magician is. I feel like it's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I want it to be a real thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that it's not. 
So how did you listen to this book? I know that I, I, I talked about me driving and listening to it. How did you listen to it? I listened to this book at the gym. I've been doing a lot of gym listening lately. And usually we spend like 30 to 45 minutes there so I can get through a good portion of the book. And then I also listened to it at home when I was just doing my normal like day-to-day mm-hmm. work and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, washing the dishes I listened to it okay. too. It made, it made dishwashing feel a lot better. Ooh. Than what it normally does. You can probably you're probably imagining I like was. you were like a dish magician. I totally was. <laughs> I haven't been discovered for my dish magic yet. <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> uh, I listened to it while I was driving and also taking the dogs for walks and everything else. So it was it was a nice peaceful listen to. Yeah. When you're doing normal things like you said doing dishes, you know, chores and stuff like that. Did you have any things about the book that bugged you a lot? Uh, Yes. <laughs> I know they debug you you a lot more. Yes, that's why I asked you, because I didn't want to just jump right into it. <laughs> so, yeah, of course we have this era where every author and teen young adult novelist feels like they need to speak about, which is relationships and love and... Romance. Romance and falling in love with someone that you're not supposed to be falling in love with. Forbidden love. Forbidden, unrequited love and all this Excellent. other stuff. So I get it. I, I get that what these novelists are trying to do and who they're trying to target. However, when there's a book that doesn't need to be about romance and it could be just about magic and learning and empowerment, why add that? Right. Especially with... Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to touch on that because I'm going to let you touch on that because we have a differing opinion about that. I'm going to sound like such a prude when we get to my <laughs> my part, but... Continue. But some of my favorite works have teacher-student romances. (laughs) I mean, One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, now Riverdale on the the CW. Shameless plugs. (laughs) Sometimes I do have to admit I must draw a line because there was no reason why this romance should have been there. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think that's my problem with this. Like when I was texting you about it and you were saying like, haven't you ever had a crush on a teacher? For me, no, I have not. I haven't had the type of crush where it's like, oh, I want to be in a romantic relationship with you. Mainly because I look at them and I admire who they are. Because all of my teachers have been like so much older than me. Or they've been like around the same age as my brother. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, me and my brother like have a really big age gap. Okay. And so I just find like having... Having crushes on people that are so much older than me is just kind of like weird for Mm -hmm. me. But I can certainly see, you know, with Pretty Little Liars and Mm -hmm. all of those shows, right? All of those shows that have those kind of teacher-student relationships, I do like them portrayed in TV shows. I'm not sure why. I don't really have an explanation for it. They also do that thing where... They make teachers in TV shows a lot younger and yes. hotter. Yes, the teacher, like Ezra, it was like twenty-two. Yeah, and and Arya was sixteen or something. So like that. old big whoop to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, not big whoop to do, but you know, I find that I'm better with TV shows because they build it up a different way, mm-hmm. and like you said, they make them so much younger to where they're almost they're, they're almost the same. But in today's day and age where there's a lot of teachers and there's a lot of students that are taking advantage mm-hmm. of of each other, whether it's the student taking advantage of the teacher or the teacher taking advantage of the student, I don't enjoy books that have this sort of like really forced relationship mm-hmm. because it did feel very forced. I mean, CNE doesn't have to be in love with a teacher that she's trying to save. Mm -hmm. She can look at him as a mentor, which is what he's supposed to be. And they don't have to have a future where she's 
going to mean anything more Mm -hmm. than just a friend to him. Like in today's day and age, it's possible to create a story with a female character that is able to stand on her own without a male counterpart being the driving force behind why she's being brave or doing certain Mm -hmm. things or just being strong. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds very like feministic or whatever. No, it's, I mean, it's it's real life. Yeah. And, and, there are tons of books out there that have made that possible. I mean, you don't see Hermione boink and Dumbledore. <laughs> well, Dumbledore is gay. True. but <laughs> So I don't think he wants that. Fine. Boink and Snape. Oh, God. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, but yeah, but there's tons of strong women out there. Why promote that? I think that Sienny could have been a character that did not need a love interest in the typical sense, Mm -hmm. I guess. She didn't need one at all. She could have seen Thane as a mentor and as a friend and someone that she wanted to learn from. It was not necessary for her to have feelings for him in order to want to save his life. Exactly. And yes, we haven't read the sequels yet. And I hope, and they've already been written, so I can't hope too much because just got to listen to them. But I hope that they have Sienny not be so dependent on Emery. Yeah, because it's interesting because like she goes through his heart and everything like that. She experiences the different parts of it. She's independent in that sense, but then she's still depending on getting him back in order to... I'm remembering the parts of the book that just kind of like drove me crazy. Well, let's talk about the food. Yeah. How many meals is is Sandy cooking this man? Yeah. Are we taking the women back to 1930 where the women stays in the kitchen? No. Well, Well, I'm not. This book was Victorian era. (laughs) Oh, that is true. But still, Sandy did not have to be Mm -hmm. a, she was not in any regards a typical Victorian woman Mm -hmm. at all. At all. She was a brat. Yeah, I mean, she was a brat, but she was strong and she was independent. She was smart and she chose her studies instead of friends or mm-hmm. doing whatever else she wanted to do. Yeah, I would have I would have liked to see a bratty, smart girl learn something more about herself other than what she, you know, other than herself through someone else. Yeah, other than know? needing a crutch or a relationship as a crutch. Exactly. But overall, I feel like without those moments in our opinions of that at least this book has made us talk about that yeah and honestly it's something that for me i started to ignore the cne and thane relationship and i just started to see it as a friendship through my ears i guess Mm -hmm. i started imagining it as a friendship it took away the the weirdness and the uncomfortableness that i was feeling Mm -hmm. and i mean the last paragraph of the book i just completely ignore and i choose not to see them Hey, but that's that's art. That's books. We can choose what to see, what not to see. Yeah, and I, mean, I think Charlie. Thing. I think Charlie wrote the book in a way that I'm able to do that. Yeah, and I thank her for that because mm-hmm. it was not relationship heavy in the least. No, and that's part of the reason why it was kind of not my favorite thing is because it just felt like it was so fast and forced. Exactly. But I guess we have to look forward to book two. Yes, because we bought that on Audible. Right? Yeah. So going back to the audiobook itself. Oh, are we going back? Um, what would you do the audiobook again or would you read it? I don't I don't think I would do the audiobook again. Okay. Would you I think this would just be one that I recommend to other people. Okay. But I want to continue on in the series, so I think I would just go on to book two. Yeah. So I guess that answers our question is would you shelf it or shove it? 
I'm it's still not... I'm still going to shelf it. Okay, you're going to shelf it. Because I want to complete the series. Okay. But I just don't think I would listen to it again. Hmm. Maybe it's on the lower shelf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think I'm going to shelf it because I like to collect. Yeah. Um, And I like to have, especially if it's a series, it'll all be like pretty color covers and keep it on the shelf there. But I don't think I would ever go back to it. Now, I hear there is some movie happening, so we'll see. I wonder who will play Thane. Probably some hot guy. Because I actually loved Thane. I really did. I loved Emery Thane. And that's an awesome name. I, I didn't really yeah, like C.N.E. Right? Twill. That was kind of weird. C.N.E. kind of threw me for a loop. C.N.E. But I did love the name Emery Thane. Yeah. And I loved his attitude and everything. Yes. And I felt from him, like all the creepiness was coming from C.N.E. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like I feel like Thane was just like, I'm a good guy. I'm a cool dude and I'm trying to make you comfortable in my house because mm-hmm. I'm your mentor. Like here's here's a paper dog. I have baggage, but I'm not going to put that in your face. Right. He definitely doesn't want to put his baggage in her face. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but see, and he wants it. <laughs> mm, Professor Baggage. Professor Baggage. <laughs> my lips are doing baggage. My, my, my lips are doing a weird thing with it right there. But anyway, <laughs> so thank you for listening to our episode on the Paper Magician. Yeah, let us know what your thoughts on this one were. If you listen to this. Please. We would love to hear it, and we'd love to hear from Charlie Holmberg. Please like us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're mm-hmm. Audio Shelf Me. And subscribe to us on iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Music. And everywhere else. And everywhere else. Literally. All you got to do is search us and Google us. Yeah. We're there. We're there. Audio Shelf Me. Mm-hmm. And also Audible. So if you want this first book and the second book... For free in the series, why don't you go into our website at audioshelf.me and click on the Audible link and that will direct you to a free trial. So definitely go ahead and do that. This will start your collection of Charlie Holmberg's novels. Of magicians. Of magicians. All right. Well, until next time, guys. Practice your origami. (laughs) Fold, turn, flip. Fold, turn, flip can never get origami no i can't i do it with my clients all the time and they're like let's do origami and i'm like let's not (laughs) you're so good (laughs) because they always want me to make boats and i'm like i don't know how to make a boat boat. can we just make paper airplanes well that's what i end up doing and they're like you suck (laughs) but anyway (laughs) (laughs) all All right right. bye This has been Audio Shelf, where we release new episodes every Monday. If you want to stay updated, listen to previous episodes, or suggest audiobooks for us to feature, visit us at audioshelf.me. We are Brad and Brittany. Thank you for listening. I really loved when Thane met... I really love when Thane... What the... (laughs) I really love... I spit all over my phone with that. (laughs) As long as I didn't spit on the microphone. Right? Oh my god. I cannot. I cannot. Catch me outside. Catch me outside. That is such a dumb meme. I Why know. is that a thing now? Uh, she, that was like two years ago now. Yeah. The episode of Dr. Phil came Like on. she's probably already on her second child. <sighs> also, there's a plane passing overhead, so let's take a break for Southwest. No ad placement. <laughs> Give us that ad revenue. <laughs> Is it doing U-turns? Like, what? <laughs> what is this plane's problem? 
Oh my god, pick a direction. <laughs> okay. Did he turn around? <laughs> I'm gonna put a sign up. This is no U-turns. Yeah, right. Are you kidding me right now? Seriously, like recalibrate your Google Map. <laughs> Google Air. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was listening to while I was driving. I'll start that over. I listen. Ugh. I listened to it while I was driving, and then also talking, taking, also taking the dog to work. <laughs> taking the dog to work. <laughs> okay. Should I repeat mushy walls? <laughs> yeah, do it with a lot of excitement. The mushy walls. Done. <laughs> Maybe we should just stop it there. Yeah. <laughs>